You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums. You must hear before you die. For this episode, we'll be talking about Tom Waits, Nighthawks at the Diner. On the line, I have Rob. Fuck yeah. John. Yeah. And Ben. Chili in a bowl. (laughs) Nighthawks at the Diner is the third studio album by Tom Waits, released October 21st, 1975. It was produced by Bones Howell, released on the Asylum label, and the genre is spoken word, jazz, and singer-songwriter. And I'm going to read from All Music Review, Mark Deming. Tom Waits' first two albums, uh, 1973's Closing Time, 1974, The Heart of Saturday Night, documented his strengths as a songwriter, but they didn't always give much of a sense of the personality that came through in his live performances. In front of an audience, Waits transformed himself into something resembling a minor character from Jack Kerouac novel, a witty but bedraggled hipster from the seedy side of Los Angeles. His third album, 1975's Nighthawks at the Diner, was designed to show off Waits as an entertainer as well as a tunesmith. Producer Bones Howell set up a nightclub facsimile in a recording studio, paired Waits with a solid band of jazz-inclined studio musicians, uh, brought in an audience and recorded what was in essence, his first live album. As entertainment, Nighthawks at the Diner is one of Waits' most thoroughly enjoyable albums. He's clearly jazzed by the presence of the audience, and his skills as a storyteller are marvelous. This is an album where the between-song patter sometimes outshines the songs, and there's no arguing that Waits is a very funny guy who plays brilliantly to the crowd, spinning uh, eccentricities, evocative tales of life on the bad side of town, and makes it all sound like a ball. The band is excellent too. Bassist Jim Hart, uh, drummer Bill Goodwin, and pianist Mike Mulvin, and sax player Pete Christbley give away the ideal 3 a.m. ambience to bring the songs to life. If Nighthawks at the Diner has one fall, it's that Waits beatnik uh, spiel sometimes overwhelms the music. And a number of the songs are more spoken word routines than anything else. All right. What do we think of Tom Waits' Nighthawks at the Diner? It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's a a real interesting album for sure. Like 
not like anything else we've listened to as far as I can recall. <laughs> yeah, it takes all the elements of those old crooners like Sinatra and uh, Sammy and, you know, the Rat Pack. And he kind of like it puts all that material in that you would normally see at a live show. And it's it's awesome. Love it. OK, I was we're, we're good. Say, this album was uh, like my my introduction to Tom Waits. I'd known Tom Waits songs before, but I'd never really dove headfirst into like a Tom Waits album. I thought that was, it was, I don't know. It was a little daunting to just like approach like his catalog, but this was a really nice gateway for me. It's a, it's listenable. It's funny. Uh, it, it, the whole thing sparkles. I, I really like this record. Yeah. I don't, I don't think this album would have worked or, or made me like it as much as it did if it wasn't set up the way that it was to have it in like a pseudo live environment where he can, you know, pretend he's in a club, set up intros for each song that he's going to do. Like, it really gets you into the flow of his style of music because he's not really singing much on many of these tracks. Depends on what you consider singing, I guess, (laughs) for Tom Waits. Yeah. He does have a nice voice, but... Early on in his career, I mean, if you listen to his real early work, it's he is trying to do a, a bit of crooner. But by this time, he's like, forget it. I'm an old man. I'm just going to have a craggly, raspy voice. And it's going to be like a Satchmo sort of character that I'm going to portray, which is really cool. I think you're right, though. I think it does give a bit of a it's more interesting than just going into a playing to no one. Uh, but at the same time, they were able to capture the essence of what the club would have been like. It gives an atmosphere of the club. I think they said that they were going to go to the Troubadour, but the bathrooms were a problem. So they opted not to go to like a live uh, place that he normally played. Yeah, the, the, the Troubadour at this point in time was just a shithole, <laughs> according to to what I read. And yeah, the only way to like... The, the fact that like the studios had enough room to where they could just move everything around, put tables in and like build out a club. I mean, it, it made perfect sense for what they were trying to do. Like they could control the entirety of the environment and also like have the good recording gear there. I think it sounds amazing. Um, it's probably my fourth listen to this and the album's pushing an hour and a half long. Um, and I, I never, I never skipped it. Never skipped a single song on it. Like it's, completely engrossing and i don't know it, it he was 26 at this point and yeah he he does sound like he's 50 um he's just so smart like whip smart with the quips and like just the way he eloquates is that a right word is that the word i'm looking for the the, the way that he talks like is so he's just so fucking smart <laughs> and <laughs> it it kills me. Um, like my introduction to Tom Waits was, uh, I think either blood money or, um, or a uh, bone machine. And like going back and listening to this stuff, like there, there's no free jazz on either one of those things. In fact, you can't really understand what he's saying half the time because he's just like, burr, 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 like doing his like gruffy <laughs> cookie monster voice. But yeah, like hearing him just like be this like intellectually sound, like, in 75 is just and to be entertained the entire 90 minutes i i fucking loved it i enjoyed the whole damn thing apparently i like jazz again so thanks birch (laughs) thanks for that (laughs) he did uh i don't know if it was was probably more bones how than him but the 
the musicians that they got to play on this record. Like that's a hot band. Like th- these guys back them are so good, and it's nice. It gives I don't know a bit of a more, like a, an official air, like an elegance to the, uh, as far as you know the uh, the jazz community. It's like they they've got some good players. I don't know what I'm trying to say. They've got good players. It's a hot band on this thing. Yeah, he's got he's got a legitimate jazz trio behind him, which really does give a feel to the album and, and makes his, you know, his whole shtick come through. I mean, they even had like a burlesque act open for him in the studio. Yeah. Uh, and these poor bastards, I think, only had six days to learn this. Yeah. Nothing like written get, down either. Yeah, nothing written down completely like... Which is amazing, too, because... Yeah, yeah, they they fucking nailed it. Yeah, you're thinking about, too, Tom, he has sort of the in-between songs that he's talking while, you know, the band is playing behind him, and then he'll go into a different song, and you're not exactly sure, wait, did that song end and the next one begin, or is he still in the same song? And to have a band pick up on that, I mean, obviously, studio musicians are fantastic, but at the same time being able to act like a band that's been doing this for 10 years on the road in a week's time. I mean, amazing. Yeah. They they were, they were, they were old salty dogs <laughs> who, who hopped on this. And apparently like before, like the burlesque lady that came out and like did her thing, like they were also playing the music for her to do the dancing and everything. Cause at that point in time, like all jazz, musicians of that caliber had played for some sort of burlesque thing beforehand player yeah. you, you know the, the stripper beat absolutely <laughs> uh, but yeah like it you know it warmed up the crowd and it like everyone was just stoked to be there like this would have been a fucking cool thing to be at heck yeah it would have hard just like a pool wheel. Cause I wasn't taking no lip from the night before. And they shook out the streets as the stoop bums showed up like bounce checks. Rubbing their necks in the sky when the color of Pepto Bismol. Down the parking lots growled my old sport coat full of promissory notes and a receipt from a late night motel. Hawk had his whole family out there. Yeah, and I think they did. It was either three or four uh, performances that they did like this. Um, I think it was two a night for two nights. There you go. So four. Yep. But yeah, that's obviously you pick the best stuff, but it's it's great. It's sort of seamless. I, I think one of the things, too, I appreciate about uh, Waits playing and his sort of songwriting is he picks up like the melodies of other songs. It it's as if you've you're misremembering another song when he's like telling you about the song, the song he's currently doing. It's strange, but you'll hear lyrics that you think are supposed to belong to another song, but he's presenting them in a in a different way. Also, it's absolutely incredible it's like 1973 and this guy is doing uh sorry 1975 and he's doing you know frank sinatra stuff i mean just think about all the other things going on you have rolling stones you have you have uh stevie wonder doing his funk thing you have funkadelic you have you know 
singer songwriters, but it's a it's completely out of time. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, and, and no, <laughs> it sold well enough uh, for, for what it was. And yeah, he he had it. He had his own voice. Like none of the and from here on, like none of his shit sounds like the thing that came out before it. Like it's just a constant like progression of whatever the hell he feels like doing. Like he's, he's a true artist in that fashion, like a, uh, a troubadour of sorts. Yeah. But yeah, man. What a, it's a, I think it's partially a comedy album too. Oh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I, I laugh so hard every time. He, he, like it's, he's showcasing music. He's showcasing comedy. There's a little bit of acting on here. It's yeah. just like a good, like showcase for Tom Waits, the entertainer, you know? That's true. Yeah. And that's what the write up was kind of saying, or uh, it, it puts it in perspective because I was thinking, oh, maybe it'll get hard of Saturday night because it's kind of like he's kind of coming into his own. Um, but yeah, it, it makes uh, I think Diamonds on My Windshield is on that one or earlier one. Uh, but it, it makes sense to do this one because this is him. This sounds exactly like I imagine Tom, Tom Waits. Early Tom Waits, I guess he does transition mm-hmm. later on, and we'll pro- we'll get to uh, swordfish uh, trombones or bone machine or something, and talk about older Tom Waits. <laughs> and this this album was a staple for me. Uh, touring, uh, driving the like the graveyard shift, like the the three a.m. to seven a.m. shift for like an overnight drive especially just drive through the middle of nowhere, putting on like Nighthawks at the diner. It, it, it keeps you company almost like a, like listening to like a DJ on the radio, just like, okay, someone else is awake, you know? Uh, and I know it's like pre-recorded and, and it's kind of only faux live to begin with, but something about it, it always, it kept me company and it kept me awake. And it was just like comforting, like hearing Tom Waits singing these, these late night songs, just like driving through the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night. That's a funny it's funny you say that because a lot of times I'll put on like podcasts or I'll put on like uh, something that's a little more spoken word than something purely melodic when I'm late night driving to keep me up. And I think maybe it's the, his, his sort of like talking to you. Yeah. Stories. Yeah. Like the storytelling element is, I think keeps you awake, can keep you awake a little bit more than um, pure like uh, music. I'll put that on my list of late night drives. It's it's very uh it's it's very chill and comforting. I didn't realize that the uh the, the large Marge story from Pee Wee's Big Adventure kind of came from this album. <laughs> <laughs> the Big Joe Phantom three oh nine. Yeah. I, yeah I, mean, I guess that had been somebody else's sort of song or story and he really I mean he popularized it and made it his own. But yeah, yeah, I, I mean I, I, that, <laughs> I was I was surprised to find out that it was a, it was a ghost. <laughs> His ghost. Sorry for the spoilers, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Even in that song, he has that little like aside where he goes into the truck stop after he's been dropped off. And he's like, "Oh yeah, I got dropped off by Big Joe. Uh, did I say something kind of wrong?" <laughs> you know, it's like a straight story pretty much until that point about a you know guy you know hitchhiking in the rain picked up by a trucker but then it's like oh it's still tom wade <laughs> oh. yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, i think he is one of the what would you say he's one of the first to really 
hone in on the truck drivers, the outcasts of society, the the strippers with a story, the loan sharks, the you know all those sort of like uh, people from the noir movies or jazz clubs or uh, very LA. Yeah, absolutely. But it, yeah, it's like a Raymond Chandler novel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and someone like Frank would would talk about that, but it wouldn't get it wouldn't get gritty or it wouldn't get like it wouldn't have a, a sad, totally sad ending or something. You know, he, he really ta- he really carries through these uh, these stories into a what what would actually be it, the, the book version, not the movie version. <laughs> Maybe you hit the nail on the head with this being like L.A. like noir style is is there like a name like that so like this type of music it just it reminds me of like you know la noir raymond chandler uh uh, is there like a name for that specific flavor of jazz it's who framed roger rabbit jazz (laughs) (laughs) uh i one of my new favorite genres i guess uh, is called dark jazz and it's a lot of uh with an o (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say if you like twin peaks or any of that like really slow like lumbering that it feels like dying (laughs) that's that's dark jazz i would say this is more uh jazz club or yeah um yeah it's hard to it's hard to pinpoint maybe i'm not thinking of the the correct uh term up for it hey guys i I, i'm sorry to interrupt i i got my hand stuck in this box and it's gonna make (laughs) a lot of noise and it's it's, 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 is that a box of high life with alan's coffee brandy shoved in it it's Can't, can't put the treat down. <laughs> Just can't put the treat down. <laughs> that's, how you, that's how you catch a monkey. <laughs> Box of highlights. Right. Sorry. Oh, my friends are married. Every Tom and Dick and Harry. You must be strong if you to go it alone. Here's to the bachelors and the Bowery Bones Those who feel it, they're the ones that are better off without a wife It's like I sleep into the crack of noon Midnight howling at the moon Going out when I want to and I'm coming on when I please I mean, it's like crooner jazz, you could also say do you want more, Ben? Is that what you're looking for? More stuff I mean, like this? Sure, yeah, I'd take it. Uh, besides Randy Newman? Like at a burlesque house or something, you know? Like some jazz, some jokes. I mean, he's doing a whole intro about taking himself home to jerk off. <laughs> yeah, he sure is. I, I like this intro and I really like this song. Yeah. I like, I, I like, uh, we're listening right now to... Uh, to better off without a wife, which I am not. But uh, for a while before I, I before I met my wife, I, I let I like I listened to this song a lot. I related to it. I like the whole 
sleep until the crack of noon, late nights, howling <laughs> at the moon element of it. it. It was fun until it was sad. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like a good way to summarize Tom Waits, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's fun and so it's sad. Ben, I, I recall the song that you wrote about that when we first moved down here. It was home to work, to bar, to home, to work, to bar, to home. Oh, yeah. Home to work, to bar, to home, and then I cry at home. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot all about that song. I remember that song. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sounds like we need to make that. Bar, we're all on different corners of the same block. That's right. Does <laughs> <laughs> uh, anybody want to say anything else about the recording? Or I mean, I was early? very surprised to find out that it wasn't just in a like club setting. Like they yeah. they got it sounding so good. And like when I realized it it might be studio trickery, I was upset. And then when I read that, like, oh, they just set up some tables and like some waitresses and drinks like in the studio. So it was still an actual live recording just with a, a live audience. Like it, that, that made me feel much better. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think this is faux live. It, it's absolutely a live record. Uh, you know, the, I guess the only difference is like, they didn't let in like the really loud drunk, um, <laughs> you know, like they, it was ticketed and they chose who got the tickets. Yeah. Uh, it was, studios they controlled every element of it it's still live absolutely it's like as controlled of an environment as you can have and still be able to call it live you know Mm i i found that interesting too because i was i i actually had never really thought about it before i i guess i just considered it kind of live um but at the same time i listened really hard to the sort of the acoustics of the room there's sort of you know you can usually pick up on the sort of like acoustics that air like within the recording or something and it seems exactly like a club would seem if like you were saying if there weren't loud drinks and someone wasn't stumbling or hitting their you know plates or whatever yeah there's there's not an asshole yelling at tom waits which would be what it was if he was actually recording in at the troubadour at this point in time (laughs) you made a good point though where you're like it's not the loud asshole like yelling and it's like Tom Waits actually presents himself as the drunken asshole who's singing at the piano. Like, yeah. So you can't have another one. Mm. Tom's not the piano has been drinking. Yeah. yeah. There can be only one. <laughs> uh, do we need to go around talk about it? Everybody's just on the positive. Nah, man, I, I, I'm so happy. It was my first time listening to it, and I will continue listening to this record. Like, awesome. It's so good. I like this record a lot. It's it's my fa- it's my favorite Tom Waits, and maybe maybe it's big. I'm not the hugest rabid Tom Waits fan of his other stuff. I find it really interesting, but this is the sound that I like coming from him, and uh, I love this record. And I think people should listen to it. I'd heard songs off of this album, and I liked those, but to hear it. Altogether, I mean, it's a it's a double album. Like Rob said, it doesn't get boring. You can listen to the whole thing, start to finish, and it's it's great. Yeah, I'm a pretty big Tom Waits fan. This is one I do not have though on vinyl, so I'm gonna have to remedy that. But it's so good. It's really really good. Uh, you were you were saying something, Ben, about this is the Tom Waits you like, and I think that's that's why it's here. It's it's one of the pinnacles of the early, not earliest, but early Tom Waits that you can point to and say, that's a 
point in time of Tom Waits career. And that's where he was like on top of that. He'll get mm-hmm. on. I feel like he'll be on top of other plateaus because he has multiple. Uh, it's like Bowie where, he, you know, he moves into different areas, still keeps a sort of uh, character, but, you know, moves around musically. Totally. Cool. All right. That'll do it. Next time we'll be talking about Rahal Dev Berman Shalomar. All right. Thanks, y'all. Live around here. I think I'm gonna plant you now, and I'm gonna dig you later. Make like a bakery truck and haul buns. Make like a hockey player and get the fuck out of here. I gotta go see a man about a dog. I'll see you later. Thank you very much for coming this evening.